You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Didn't you coach Burt Reynolds? Yes, I did. Was he any good? He was a defensive back. I know. Was he any good? I said. 103.9 FM LI News Radio presents The Weekend Crunch with Errol Marks and Speedy Petey. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, it's a new show of The Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Speedy, what's up, man? I'm probably not enjoying the cold as much as you are, but we finally got a little bit of snow at least here on Long a Island. Bit. A little bit. Very little. But I'm loving the cold. Listen, it's not even cold. It's not cold for you. It's, it's cold, cold for everybody else. I don't know how you think 33, 34 degrees is cold. It's yeah, not that cold. It's scientific Pop terms. on a coat and go out there and enjoy the weather. In scientific terms, 32 is freezing, so just all of that. Well, I'm not a scientist. I am no, just you are not. a lonely Long Island guy that loves the wonderful cold. I don't know about lonely, but I'm there. I'm up there. Now, you're far from lonely. That's, no, for, that's sure. for sure. You yes. know a lot of people. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have a great show lined up for you, and a little bit later in the show, we'll be talking to a great Running back, ex-New York Jet, former NFL player, Jets running back, Bilal Powell. He'll be joining us. Fantastic personality. He'll tell us a couple of stories, I'm sure, about the Jets when he played and from his career as a college player all the way in the nine years that he played in the NFL. So looking forward to Bilal joining us a little bit later in the show. We're going to get into the Jets. Yes, of course, the Jets are the stories in the tabloids. Zach Wilson, not Mike White, will start on Sunday against the Lions. Mike White, not cleared by the doctors because of his rib injury. So what does that tell you? It's probably broken. But the Jets do not want to come out and say that. OBJ injury, thought to be severe than expected, might not even return this season. So all those people that thought, I'm going to get OBJ, I'm going to get OBJ, I'm going to get OBJ. Jerry Jones. Jets and Giants playoff status. The Jets tied for the last spot, but doesn't have the tiebreaker. The Giants clinging on the last spot, even if the Giants lose this coming weekend after what happen on Thursday night football as Seattle loses against San Francisco they're still in a playoff spot so that says a lot about how everything is bouncing back and forth in the AFC and NFC playoff spots three for all picks of the week which we are tied we'll get into the Yankees Carlos Rodon he is now a New York Yankee Six years, $162 million. Yes, that's $27 million a year as the Yankees get their guy after signing their soon-to-be captain, Aaron Judge, to a nine-year, $360 million contract. They get the best pitcher available in the offseason in Carlos Rodon. The Mets sign Kadai Senga to a five-year $75 million contract. Is this a good move? We'll get into that a little bit later. The Mets looking to trade Carlos Carrasco and James McCann. Good for them. Nobody's going to want them. Giants sign Carlos Correa, 13 years, $350 million. Islanders reach 
out to the Canucks about Bo Horvat. I think any Islander fan would love Bo to be traded to the New York Islanders. And in some NBA news, we'll get into James Harden takes shots at Katie. Yes, his friend, Kevin Durant, and the Nets organization wondering why he's a quitter. And Katie isn't. What does that tell you about the Nets organization? Clowns, clowns. Clowns. Barclays Circus was out of operation for about a month, and now it's back. (laughs) And the New York Knicks are hot right now. If the season were to end, they would be the sixth seed in the NBA playoffs for the Eastern Conference. The Knicks pumping up some wins, baby. And Jalen Brunson looks like a better and better move that the Knicks made in the offseason and a move that uh, a lot of people didn't like. Well, mm-hmm. they were wrong about that. One of the top five point guards right now in the NBA. So why don't we get into it? The New York Jets. What a story. It's been a story all year. Zach Wilson, guys. Zach, a.k.a. Mom Lookalike Wilson, who everybody, fans, analysts, broadcasters, play-by-play guys have made fun and taken shots at this kid the whole season because he lost two games against the New England Patriots. His numbers are not what a second pick in the first round should be. That he doesn't produce the numbers that you need a franchise quarterback to produce if he's a franchise player. This same guy has been everybody's joke in the NFL. Everybody's taking shots at this kid. Maybe because he doesn't take responsibility when he loses a game or his team loses a game and he doesn't believe that he is at fault no matter if he's the quarterback or not. He believed that nobody could challenge him for his starting position on this NFL team. He was wrong. Mike White has come in, put up pretty good numbers as a starting quarterback, but is only one and two as the Jets started this year. And he was only 1-2 and when he took over for Zach Wilson last year. But now, as the stories were coming out late Thursday night, early Friday morning, after interviewing Mike White and saying that he's fine, he's ready to go, the New York Jets announced that the doctors for the organization will not clear Mike White to play on Sunday afternoon. So what does that tell you? Zach Wilson, who was brought up from the streets to the backup quarterback position, as we saw Joe Flacco look like an old man he is last week, taking over for Mike White, finally gets his opportunity again at the end of the season in a playoff position to take this team to the playoffs. We're wondering, what are the Jets doing? What is Robert Solid doing? Maybe this was the plan all along that the Jets made sure, really, for the last past week that they knew Zach Wilson was going to start on Sunday against the Lions because Mike White said on Thursday he's ready to go. Now it's become a conspiracy theory that the Jets planned this from the beginning. I do not believe this is a conspiracy theory. I do not believe Robert Sala, Joe Douglas, the Johnson family, knew that Zach Wilson was going to start on Sunday because they brought him from the practice team to a backup quarterback as the number two guy behind Mike White. What does this tell you about Zach Wilson? Zach Wilson has one more shot. This is his chance to shut the fans up, shut the analysts up, shut everybody up that he has numbers that are not even starting quarterback numbers. They're not even college 
football player numbers. Maybe because their coaching staff don't trust him like they trust Mike White with his decision-making. Maybe they just don't think he's any good. But if they didn't think he was any good, why did Robert Salas say that we were going to see Zach Wilson again? Why did Robert Salas say that we believe in this kid and that's why we drafted him in the position we drafted him? Because... Only the coaching staff, only the GM and the ownership know the truth about what Zach Wilson is or what he could be. And us as fans, we've seen all the worst quarterback play just haunt our dreams year in and year out for 50 years. The O'Briens, the Neil O'Donnells, the Mark Sanchez, the Kellen Clemens. I could go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. The Jets are the only team in NFL history to draft two quarterbacks in a three-year span in the top three. Yes, even the Browns have never done that. And now they have a chance to be looking for another one at the end of the season. Because if Zach Wilson doesn't show up on Sunday at MetLife Stadium against a Lions team where their defense is ranked almost dead last in every category. Their offense has not played well in the cold at all. Under 50 degrees, they're horrible. Go look at Jared Goff's numbers ever since he's come to the Detroit Lions when he plays in the cold. And when he plays on the road. He needs to show this team that he is a leader. He is the captain. He is the guy that's going to drive this team through to the playoffs. And if he does that, and I believe he can, the Mike White story will be over. The Mike White love fest will be over. And I'm not taking shots at Mike White, but I have told Jet fans this from the beginning. Mike White was a sixth-round draft pick in the Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, Lamar Jackson, Josh Rosen, and yes, Baker Mayfield draft. And he's done so well since he's come to the New York Jets. He's been a leader. The players love him. The fans love him. The analysts love him. But this was never his team. It has been and always will be, as far as I'm concerned, till the end of the season, Zach Wilson's team. Final shot opportunity type thing is a redemption story for Zach Wilson in like three different ways. The Detroit Lions are now the new darling. They're the hot team right at the end of the season. They're this young, fun team that everybody loves. And Zach Wilson is being thought of on the opposite. All the mom jokes at the beginning of the year. And then you're right. The analytic guys have been bashing Zach Wilson because of his lack of accuracy. Interception to touchdown ratio has not been good throughout his career. He's missing easy throws. Blame Michael Floor. Yeah, I'm not the biggest Michael Floor fan either, but still. How could you be? And then you have all the Jets fans that overreact to everything and say, oh, all right, uh, Mike White, oh, he won us a game against Chicago. Do yes. you blame him? Running him to the playoffs. Come on, Speedy. Year. You're a Giant fan. Do you blame the Jet fans that they're complaining about their quarterback play? Well, I always say it's not just Jets fans. It's just a lot of New York fans in general. They just love to be like, uh, what, everybody hates what the have, Jets. What have you done for me lately type thing? Yes. And I'm a Jet The national fan, media me. definitely bashes the Jets more than they it's should a joke. for what they've been this year because in terms of the units of the team, in terms of concepts that they've done, they've done a lot of things well this year. But again, that's what it comes down to Zach Wilson. This is the second overall pick. You have a chance to really be part of that whole team camaraderie, that winning formula that this team has had in a lot of games this year, a lot of games they shouldn't have won, and a new identity. And that comes with, one, leadership, and two, trust in your team that you have to be able to make decisions smartly on and off the field. And this is your chance to do it this week against a Lions team that everybody loves, that everyone thinks they're going to make the playoffs now. And they could shut up the national media, could shut up these Jets fans, and if they do well accuracy-wise, can shut up the analytic guys as well. I have one word that really expresses what this week and this weekend is going to be for Zach Wilson, and that's sacrifice. He needs to sacrifice 
his mouth, his thoughts, his attack on what the press thinks of him on and off the field, and just go out there and play the game. Play the game that you will love. Play the game that you started when you were in high school. Play the game that you played in BYU. Don't worry about what everybody says about your arm strength or your accuracy or your footwork. Nobody cares. All they care about is wins. It don't matter if you put up 300 or 150 yards, as long as you bring this team a W. And that is the most important thing right now for Zach Wilson. W's. Winning at MetLife. And then having a chance to go against your predecessor on Thursday night football in front of everybody in your first national stage this year for this New York Jet team. It's their first time as a national stage to show what this defense could be and what Zach Wilson really is on national TV. That is so very important to show everybody that you are more than worth the pick that the Jets picked you at number two. You want to talk about conspiracy theories from earlier, too. I saw one where they were saying, oh, the NFL forced them to do this so they could hype up the Zach Wilson versus Trevor Lawrence, number one, number two pick. Matchup. I don't believe that either. I don't believe it either. Just, everyone wants met. to throw a conspiracy theory. And the Why last not? time they met last year, yep. the Jets won. Zach Wilson and Z- outplayed him badly. And Zach Wilson outplayed Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. He made every single play in the fourth quarter to take his team to victory. It didn't mean anything, and this year it's different. It's a different coach, Peterson over there in Jacksonville, and the Jets are a different defense. They're a different team, and a better team. The question is, is Quinn Williams going to play, and is this team ready to go on a national stage and shut people up? Because this has been an embarrassment of an organization year in and year out. And it has nothing to do with Robert Sala or Joe Douglas. It has everything to do with ownership and where this team has really put themselves as the clowns of the NFL. Years and years and years of absolute crap football. Now it's different. This team is different. These young players believe in where this team culture is going. And Robert Sala told you he's taking receipts. And boy, oh boy, if this team takes it to the playoffs in the first time in over 12 years, those receipts will be cashed, and he will cash them. You know why? Because it won't matter anymore. It won't matter that they are the New York Jets anymore. This Jet team will be looked and considered one of the elite top 14 teams in the NFL, something they have never been looked at in over 10 years. Probably since that last playoff appearance. And even that year, they were a wild card. When you make the playoffs, you're the best of the best. There are 32 teams in the NFL. The numbers would tell you that if you make the playoffs, you're an elite team. Not championship elite. Elite when it comes to making the playoffs. It's not easy to make the playoffs in the NFL. It's not easy to make the playoffs when you're in the AFC East either. When you have to play Miami twice, New England twice, Buffalo twice. It's not easy. And I have to play the whole AFC North too, which is pretty hard. It's not easy. So you have to sit still and you have to wonder, what is this Jet team? What is Zach Wilson? What could Zach Wilson prove on Sunday? Do I trust Zach Wilson that he's going to put up pretty good numbers? I have to believe. Because if Zach don't, and he loses this game, not only will he be booed, not only will he hide under the bed because the press is going to just absolutely eat him up alive, but he is going to lose this starting job for good, and they will never give it back to him. This is his shot. On the national stage, on Sunday afternoon, where everybody's going to boo him every time he throws a ball down on the ground. He can't throw a check pass 
to any of his running backs or his tight ends. Every time he makes a mistake, the fans are going to attack him. This is his chance to shut everybody up. Shut everybody. And show people why Zach Wilson isn't just a pretty boy from Utah who earned his spot because he had one good year on the national stage at BYU. That's really where the Jets are at. I'm looking forward to seeing where the Jets are going to be on Sunday because the Jets have to win. They have four games left. They have to win three out of the four games. The Chargers, their schedule is pretty easy. Do I trust that Baltimore is going to keep their spot or Miami is going to keep their spot? Baltimore is 9-4. and four. Miami is 8-5. and five. If the Jets win this week and Miami loses against Buffalo, they're both 8-6. and six. That means Miami falls out of their spot and the Jets move into their spot. Or the Patriots, if they win and they beat the Vegas Raiders. And I'm rooting for the Vegas Raiders. The Patriots got to go all the way to Vegas. It's not like Vegas has to go all the way to New England. They're playing in their dome. It's going to be loud. It is in McDaniel's home. Maybe McDaniel's figures out how to stop this high-powered nothing. They have the best pass rusher in the league, the best sack leader in Judon, and they have some good pieces, good young pieces. They're not a prolific offense. They don't even have their star running back this week. Mac Jones hasn't looked as good as he did in his rookie season, maybe because McDaniel's is now with the Raiders. Maybe it's just their dual offensive coordinators, the two great idiots over there. But the Jets have a chance. If they win this week, Miami Miami loses, the Chargers could lose, the Patriots could lose. They can move all the way up. The Chargers, even if they win, if the Dolphins and Patriots both lose, the Jets would actually get it because that would create a head-to-head on Miami, which the Jets currently have right now. So the Jets would move up to the sixth spot. It's crazy, but you have to put the W up before you can think about that. When we come back, we'll get into some New York Giants conversation as the New York Giants have a chance to add to their win record, add to their playoff spot, which they're sitting in number seven on the wild card spot. And now that Seattle loses on Thursday night, football against San Francisco, no matter what happens, win, lose, or draw, they're still in that seventh spot. When we come back, we'll get into that here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Beatty. Remember to listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time, only on 103.9. The LI News Radio Network brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Check out the World Wide Sports Radio website by going to www.worldwidesportsradio.com. We have the Apple Store podcast up on the top of the page. You can check out all the shows during the week that you missed live, where you can listen to the Sports Loudmouths by me and Speedy on Wednesdays and Thursdays, our great guest. It's hilarious. Great content, so check it out. We have the Wise Guys based out of Cincinnati. Wake and Bake, our guys who are not going to be joining us this week on our wonderful Moneyline Mania. They're busy. Holidays, Thursday night. A couple of weeks ago, we had Thanksgiving, so a lot of things going on. Chaz is going through his own stuff, but we're happy to have them back as well. But beautiful weather. I like this weather. I don't like this time when it comes to the holidays. One of the reasons why is you have all the crazy people on the road. It is too many people on the road going shopping, getting ready for the holidays. It's not what I call fun. But you have to go through the holidays. 
holidays to get through the new year. And the new year is right around the corner, 2023. And we're very excited. This will be a big year for us and a big year for me and Speedy. It's been really exciting for where we are and where we're going in the industry. And and we want to thank all the fans that have supported everything that we have been doing. So thank you to the fans. Now we can get into the Giants because I know a lot of the Giant fans are sitting here and saying, too much Jets, why no Big Blue? Well, here's the reason why there's no Big Blue. The Big Blue is in a division. The conference is just horrible. You have the Philadelphia Eagles. They're fantastic. They've been dealing from sharp attacks by the Cowboys, Micah Parsons. Yeah. Which I have no idea why he's attacking Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is probably the quietest, nicest quarterback in the NFL that actually takes responsibility for his team's losses and his team bad play. Yes, Zach, maybe you should learn something from Jalen Hurts. You would think Micah Parsons would attack Zach Wilson, not Jalen Hurts. And I like what Mike Parsons said after the fact that he went on that podcast and said that about Jalen Hurts. And he didn't say anything really that bad. He says Jalen Hurts is as good as his team is. And he believes that Jalen Hurts really doesn't deserve all the credit. It's his team. It's the talent of his team, which I think is crazy when the quarterback position is the most important position on the field. But getting back into the Giants, you have the Cowboys. You have the Washington football team, a.k.a. the Commanders, a.k.a. the Skins. All four of those teams can make the playoffs. And the way everything is falling into place, that quite possibly could happen. Seattle hasn't played well. The Rams are out. Arizona is out. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers should be out. We don't even know who's going to win that division with Tampa. They've looked horrible. Atlanta's look horrible. The Carolina Panthers have looked better out of all of them. Because if maybe Steve Wilk taking over... Maybe it's him. I have no idea. But they're the only team that really stands out in that division. And who knows? Maybe they slip right into the playoffs. They did it before. 7-8-1 in 2014. These divisions are horrible. And I don't even want to get into the Packers division. And yes, Minnesota is the number two team in the NFC. We understand that. And I know a lot of people love Kirk Cousins. I'm not a Kirk Cousins fan. I think Kirk Cousins has shown his true colors in the playoffs. My questions right now is, what are the Giants? Who are the Giants? Dable is a good coach. And a lot of press and writers have been attacking Dable. Why? Because they're not the same team they were in the beginning of the season. But we all knew that was going to happen. We all knew it. It wasn't a sell that Dable wasn't going to find a way to win against the better teams in the NFC. Who does he have to throw to? Darius Slayton? Does everybody think he's a number one wide receiver in the NFL because he had a couple of good weeks? They don't have a number one guy. They don't. They lost Robinson. They lost Shepard early. None of them are number ones either. And is Daniel Jones the guy? Probably not. But he's done as well as he could with nobody to throw to. And Saquon Barkley, he's playing for a contract. He's having a great season. But he's wearing down because he's touching the ball 30, 35 times a game. He's everything to that offense. And that's the problem. The defense will play. Wink is going to get you in the right position, in the right places with his blitz packages to get to the quarterback, the other team's quarterback, and play semi-decent secondary defense. He does it all the time. He did it in Baltimore. Look how bad Baltimore's defense has been this year since Wink has gone to the New York Giants. It's a different defense. 
So the defense could hold up. But when you have nobody to throw to, you have nothing on that field. What do you expect? And that offensive line, besides Thomas, has been absolutely horrendous. Especially on the interior where they don't have a true center. So that doesn't help anything. Nick Gates, credit to him for coming back after that scary injury last year. That leg injury, I didn't think he would ever play again. But he's coming back. He's playing a lot of guard. And they don't really have a true center besides that. So that doesn't help the offensive line. And you nailed it with Saquon, too. Like, they're trying to have him carry the ball 30 times. Which, if you want to combine with receiving and targets, pass catching, that's maybe all right. But the Seahawks, when they beat the Giants, exposed the kind of thing. If you could shut down Saquon and make him an inefficient runner, it hurts the team offense. And every team since then has taken on that blueprint. Now, I'm not saying every team has stopped him greatly. He still ran the ball well in certain games. But the Giants team offense has not collectively looked good because of that. The Lions, who didn't have a great run defense coming in, shut down Saquon. We saw Jacksonville do it. We saw Eagles and the Cowboys both do it too. And that's going to be very hard when you don't have a much of a passing game to go with. And that's, I think, the only thing that coaching staff has not been able to adjust to so far this year. Brian Dable finally had his first showcase of bad clock management at points of that tie game against the Commanders. This week, they just got blown out. You're going to make mistakes. That, yeah. He was doing very well before that with that. That was the first blip. And then this week with the Eagles, obviously, it was a blowout anyway. So they weren't going to win that. But it just, again, it's not the same level of offense. And the defense, with all the injuries that it has right now in the secondary, really has not been the same either. And they could blitz all they want with Wake Martindale. They have the third highest blitz rate in the league. But still, if you're not going to be able to get consistent coverage either, especially man coverage, it's going to be very hard to operate on defense. And giant schedule coming up is going to be very hard when they have to deal with the commanders again this week, who's played very well. They still got the Vikings. The Colts are a game they should win. And then they got the Eagles at the end of the year again, which if they don't clinch the number one seed, still could be playing their starters. Keep pacing yourself if I were the Giants. Find a way to win at least two of these games. You win two of these games, you're in. Because Seattle, they have a hard schedule. They have to face the Jets in about two weeks. It's not going to be an easy game. The Jets are going to play as hard as they possibly can because they need to make the playoffs and they need to win three out of their four games. Kansas City is another team that is going to be playing all their players because they need to win. So it's not going to be easy for Seattle the next couple of weeks. And more than likely, Seattle loses back-to-back-to-back games. They have San Francisco, Kansas City, and then the Jets, three of the best defenses in the NFL. The Jets are not going to give Seattle and Geno Smith any wiggle room in that game, even if it's in Seattle. Giants fans are going to have to be rooting for the Jets two of these next three games because they got Detroit this week, who's also climbing. They're 6-7 and seven right now, and they have probably the easiest schedule left. After the Jets, they don't have a lot of hard games after that. And then Seattle, too. Right there still, even if they lose that game, they could still win some of the other ones. And that's going to be hard with the Giants having a hard schedule, too. I think the Commanders are going to be safely in because the rest of their schedule is pretty easy. But it's a race with those other three teams. The Packers have an outside chance, but it will be hard for them as well. So it's likely to be either the Giants or the Lions at this rate. It's going to be fun. As far as OBJ and the situation for OBJ, I don't know what's going on with him. I don't know what the injury entails. Nobody even knows. Nobody knows how bad it is, what part of his body is injured. Nobody knows. So we sit here today and we wonder how severe it is. How do we know how severe it is when we don't know what's wrong with him? He's going to be out probably for the rest of the season. I never thought OBJ was going to play. He didn't want to practice with any of these teams before he got signed. Why? Because he wasn't 100% healthy. And right now, if I were any of the teams, and thank God the Cowboys found T.Y. Hilton, I don't know if that's going to make a difference because he's an old wide receiver that hasn't really played in the last couple of years. 
I don't know who is going to take a chance for OBJ. Would I take a shot with OBJ next year? OBJ is an aging wide receiver now. Injury-prone wide receiver. I'm not overpaying a guy that can't stay on the field. Buffalo got Cole Beasley, too, so they're clearly out. It's snowy. Yeah, you don't want to play in Buffalo with the ice, especially if they have three feet of snow later tonight. Good luck to Miami. I don't want to hear about Tua. I don't want to hear about McDaniel. I don't want to hear about any of them. Because they play in Miami when it's 80 degrees, 85 degrees, tropical, beautiful sun. They're going up to Buffalo where there could be about six inches on the ground, freezing cold, 20 degrees, windy. And they say, well, I played in that weather. I played in Alabama in the snow. How often does it snow in Alabama? Good luck. You're playing against a quarterback that's from Wyoming. You're also playing against a team that has played in that cold week in and week out for the last couple of weeks. So good luck to the Miami Dolphins. And as far as I'm concerned with the OBJ thing, I don't think you're going to see him this year. You might never see OBJ again. I think he could be done. And if you do, he's not getting a big contract. And anybody that gives him... Any kind of contract, more than a play-in, $5 million contract, right. you'd be stupid. Which is what I thought he would get now, and it just doesn't happen that way. He made, it made all the sense for him to try to rebirth himself in a shorter sample to try to get another three-year deal. Now it does not seem likely, unless he does another trial-run-type contract. Yeah. Now, ladies and gentlemen, our three-for-all picks of the week. All righty. You mentioned the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills. They will actually be kicking off very shortly, 8-15 tonight, the over-under for this game is 44. I'm going to take the Bills in this one because I do think it's going to be a very tough transition for the way that Dolphins defense played last week against the Chargers, allowing a lot of big plays. I think this is a big Gabriel Davis game. I Stephon Diggs will get his 100 yards like he usually does. And Josh Allen will look like that MVP quarterback. We saw him in the beginning of the year. That Dolphins secondary kept getting toasted a lot. The Bills pass rush, too, against the Jets playing very well is a good sign without Von Miller, and I think that helps. I think the game will be close still, but I don't think the Dolphins will be able to solve their problems overnight. I don't think they'll miss the playoffs, but this is a game they lose. I'll take Buffalo here. I'm going to take them on the over. Yeah, I got Buffalo in this game. I don't trust Miami in the cold. I don't trust Tua in the cold. And I, I think that over the last couple of weeks, they have not protected Tua, maybe because of the injuries on the offensive line and some of these guys playing injured, which I give them a lot of credit, but this isn't the same Tyreek Hill. He is not healthy. You could see him limping on and off the field, icing his knee, icing his ankles. He's just not the same player right now. And Waddle, I don't know what they're doing. They're not giving him the ball enough. He's not seeing the ball enough. And they're not even running the ball as well as they had the last couple of weeks. Last week, they looked like a bum team. So they're not winning in Buffalo. I'm willing to bet on it. But I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. It's going to be very windy on Saturday night. So I am going to take Buffalo on the under. All right. The next game, the Dallas Cowboys at the Jacksonville Jaguars. 48, the over-under for this one. I am actually going to take the upset here with the Jacksonville Jaguars. There's two things I like about this matchup, one of which is they've, they've done a nice job stopping the run this year, and they've done a good job against a lot of feature running backs, Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor. And I don't think Dallas is going to have that same level of a rushing attack. It took a while for them to get it going at certain points against the Texans, who have the worst rush defense in the league. They ran well in the first, and they ran well in the fourth and that was it and now you can't do that and Trevor Lawrence has been fa- fantastic the last four games only quarterback without an interception in that span and Dallas's secondary has been banged up lately so I'm gonna take the upset here I'm gonna go Jacksonville on the under I'm gonna take the Cowboys in this game I think the Cowboys could put pressure on Trevor Lawrence if you could put pressure on Trevor Lawrence you can make him make mistakes I believe he will make mistakes in this game and it will throw him off his spots so give me the Cowboys on the over All right, the last game, the Tennessee Titans at the L.A. Chargers. The over-under is 46 and a half. 
for this one. This will be a close game. The Titans have had trouble at stopping the passing game. The Chargers you saw last week get a lot of big plays against the Dolphins. That being said, Tennessee's front seven is still very physical. I think they'll be able to stop the run. The Chargers have had issues running the ball. As good as Austin Eckler's been with scrimmage yards, he's actually been under 50 rushing yards in two of the last three games. So I think the Titans will be able to contain him. I think they'll be able to hold him the field goals. And I think they'll be able to run the ball effectively too. Derrick Henry against a really bad Chargers run defense. So I'll take Tennessee in this game. It will be close on the over. I want to take the Titans because I do not want to see the Chargers win. And they have a very easy schedule. And if they win this game, it's easy sailing for them. So I'm going to take the Titans in this game anyways because I don't want to see it. I don't want to see the Chargers win. I don't want to see Justin Herbert win. And I don't want to see my team lose and not make the playoffs. So give me the Titans on the over. I like that too. Who would have thought you would be hating the Chargers more than me this week? (laughs) I don't want to see the Chargers win. And the way Justin Herbert's playing, he's playing lights out right now. He really is. He's been unbelievable. And what he did against Miami and just completely carved them apart on national TV, I do not want to see that happen against Tennessee. Tennessee needs this game. Because if they lose this game and Jacksonville wins this week, the the Jags could win the division. They could go into Thursday night football if they beat the Jets and take over full custody of first place. That's crazy. And Trevor Lawrence is in an easy division, and, and he's been fantastic. You, you can't really take shots at him. He has been fantastic. He's been the best quarterback in the NFL for the last four weeks. Yep. That says a lot about who he is and what Peterson has turned him to be. The only so. quarterback without an interception, and that's fam. That's right. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, our special guest will be talking to former Jets running back. Bilal Powell, here on the Weekend Crunch. I know Bilal likes this. We're bringing it back! Little hip-hop 90s mace, baby! We are back, ladies and gentlemen, as you know! This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Emma Marks, my co-host... Speedy, Petey, remember can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9. The LI News Radio Network brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Go check out the World Wide Sports Radio website. Check out all our shows. The Apple Podcast is right on the top of the page. All our shows from the Sports Lamouts with me and Speedy every Wednesdays and Thursdays. If you missed it live, you could check it out out and listen to the replays of every one of our shows and we're happy to entertain all the fans throughout the country that tune into all the shows that we have live throughout the week. A guy that I have come to respect as an NFL player, a Jet, one of my teams, and a guy that I believed was so underrated as a New York Jet running back, and I'm happy to have him on the show. We are now talking to ex-Jet, former NFL player, running back, Bilal Powell. Bilal, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on, man? I'm good, man, and when Speedy told me that we were going to get you on, I was very excited. When you were playing for the Jets, you were a guy that I stuck up for. Every time the Jet fans were attacking, why why is Bilal playing? Why aren't they starting this guy? He's not 100%. He shouldn't be playing. I said that he's a warrior. This guy goes out there and he gives 110%. Rex Ryan spoke nothing but highly of you. Before we get into this interview, how are you and your family doing from the whole COVID situation? We're good, man. We moved back to Kentucky. We were trying to stay up there in that New York, New Jersey area, but you know, it hit hard up there, man. So we decided to come back to Kentucky. But everyone's healthy, doing well, ready for the holiday season. I can't wait for the holiday season. I can't wait until it's over and we get into 
to the January where there's the Super Bowl, there's the playoffs, and I know you're excited about that. So why don't we get into your career first before we ask you some questions about the Jets and your thoughts to the New York Jets this year with their running game with Brees Hall and Bam Knights. You know a lot about running backs, and I'm sure you have your own thoughts to the Jets and, and how they're running the ball. Tell us a little bit about when you were drafted by the Jets. Getting drafted to a New York team, a big city, a place some people say don't want to play because there's too much pressure, there's too much press. What was it like being drafted by the Jets? It was amazing. You had Rex Ryan over there, who I think any player would love to play for, Rex Ryan. What you see is what you get with Rex. I was drafted by Michael Tannenbaum was over there, Anthony Lynn. Those guys just knew football. Anthony Lynn did a great job of developing me in my early years and teaching me the game, uh, allowing me to be a student of the game that took my game to the next level. Everybody get excited here in New York, man, but we're actually in New Jersey. It shocks people when they come up to visit. They think it's just like a hot skip in a way uh, from New York, but man, that's a long commute, but man, it's the, one of the biggest cities in the world, media cities in the world. It's probably one of the most exciting sports cities in the world. I think it's one of the best cities to play. A lot of guys did turn down the opportunity to come here, but man, it was probably one of the best experiences of my life. So Rex Ryan was your coach for the first four years of your career, and he's been a, quite a character. So what was he like on and off the field? Man, Rex was a player's coach. When it was time to joke, we joked, we had fun. But when it was time to play, when it was time to lock in, you locked in, especially for a guy like that. Because you knew Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan was going, he was going to hold nine for you. He was going to bat for you regardless of what the media or, or fans were saying. He never threw his players under the bus. He always took blame for some of the things that I felt like it was players' fault. He was a great coach. He had a great scream on the defensive side. But man, he was a guy that you would definitely run through a wall for. Because what he said, he was a guy that is man's own words. I think all you have is your name and your word. And he was one of those guys that what he said, he meant for us as players. That's all you expect, especially in the cutthroat business like the NFL, man. You, you don't run around. You don't come across too many times you play for a coach like Rex Ryan. Bilal, you played for the Jets, and the Jets have always been known for good running teams. Always had good running backs. Curtis Martin, Jones, and even when you came into the league, a lot of people were comparing you to different running backs that played for the New York Jets. When you started playing in the NFL, what was the player that really stood out to you that you wanted to replicate your game after? I had the guy right in my room, LaDainian Thompson. You talk about a guy that he's not talked about enough for some of the things that he's done in this game. And for this game, a guy that I had the opportunity to play with during his 10th year that looked like he was in year five. The way he finished runs at practice, the way he prepared, you would think that guy would play for another five years. He still was in shape, still had his good physique. At that time, talking about a guy that was just smart and understood football and a guy that went out. You don't get faster as you get older. You get smarter. And you can just tell the game was just so slow for that guy. And to be able to be drafted as a rookie and have that guy of, of that stature in your room to learn from was just something that a lot of guys don't get that throughout their career. After LaDainian Tomlinson, other big name running backs too. Matt Forte came over the Jets. Chris Johnson, Isaiah Crowell was pretty good. Any of them really stand out on and off the field? And you have a good story of any of them? as your teammates. I tell you one of my favorites in the room and we still talk to this day, Chris Ivory. Chris Ivory was a guy that I thought just being two complete backs that we were, our style, I think was probably the best compliment to each other. That was the most fun that I've had when I played with that guy, Chris Ivory. You have to respect Matt Forte doing what he did in Chicago for a number of years. And then CJ2K doing what he did, going for 2,000 yards in one season. It's super hard to do. I mean, even to run for 1,000. To go get 2,000. 
to be in that club, man, it's an honor to be around those type of guys being in the room. I actually did a radio show for almost a year and a half with an ex-Jet, Eric Coleman, and he speaks so highly of you. He has spoken to you quite a few times, and he really believed that you never got the respect that you deserved in the NFL. The talent that you were, what you did, you played hurt, you had that spine injury, you still played with that injury, you kept ticking, and that eventually took your career, but playing nine years in the NFL, that's a long career. In 2017 was your best year. At the age of 28, you had 772 yards, five touchdowns, in some aspects, one of the better backs in the league. That type of back, that second back that can do a lot of different things. What was it like playing in 2017 and the way you played? I just had fun. That was probably the season where I had the most opportunities. I just took advantage of those opportunities. I was always a guy that I just made sure that when opportunity came, I was prepared to take on that role. They had brought in Matt Forte that year. Matt was battling injuries the second half of the season, and it gave me more opportunities. I felt like if I was a guy that had the opportunities, like the other running backs around the league, that I would have been in that category. Numbers don't lie. You're talking about 175 carries, almost going for 1,000, including receiving out of the backfield, talking about 1,000 all-purpose yards in the season with not as many opportunities as other guys are in the league that you consider top tier, Mm -hmm. top tier guys. You know, if I had those opportunities, I think I would be able to put up the same numbers. For me, it was just always being prepared, being ready when my number was called and going out and just performing. Just playing the game that I love. At the end of the day, it was a game, still a game. Even though there's business behind it, it was still a game of football. And when the opportunity came, I took advantage. So you're one of the best pass-catching running backs in the league. Now you're kind of seeing in a passing league, kind of that be a necessity for a lot of running backs. Do you see that kind of thing where a running back has to be a good pass-catching back now to be a really good running back? There are exceptions Derrick Henry, but you think that's a new norm now? I think it is. I think the game has definitely evolved to that. When I first came in the league, it was all about power football, power, power, power. And slowly as my career went on, you're starting to see these backs who now backs are coming in even smaller. When I was coming in, you was talking about big bruisers because you was downhill. Now you're talking about backs at 200 pounds, 205, 210, being able to catch out the backfield. I think that's an advantage for a running back. I think if you want to have a career in this league for a long time, then you would need to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. You have a few guys that you just hand it to, like Derrick Henry, but I think the game has evolved to that. And I think that's why a lot of teams are going to the committee backfield. The crowded backfields where you can just get a change of pace. You got a third down, you're receiving back your big bruiser back but if you do want to play in this league you better be able to catch and pass pro that's the number one thing that i talk to young running backs when i always talk to them be able to pass pro because if you can't pass pro you won't be in the game trust me (laughs) so why don't we get into the jets right now And, and nobody thought that the jets would be in position right now to be a playoff bound team they ran the ball very very well they have one of the more talented backs who they drafted in the second round they lost him to an acl tear in Brees hall and then they made a trade they brought robinson in and then they found this guy bam knight he was playing on the practice team. They waved him once. They waved him twice. He's still there. They bring him up, and he has been absolutely ridiculous on the football field. He's Offensive Rookie of the Week this past week. He had a touchdown at 70 yards against the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. What are your thoughts to what the Jets have done ever since you retiring and the committee that you had over there when you played? I think the number one thing is just the head man that they have over there. That's a fun guy, man. I had the opportunity to sit with him, talk to him, just his philosophy of the game, just life and having a conversation with that guy, man. I think any player, if they had the chance to sit down with their head coach, they'd love to go and play for the New York Jets. And that's what you want to see when you talk about 
bringing in a young team and developing a young team like New York. You want to be able to be that player's coach, the player's coach that develop players. Let's be honest, not all coaches can develop players. You have coaches that like the veteran teams, but a guy like Robert, man, he did a great job just developing the young players. I predicted a 10-win season in the playoff run. Look at you. I did, man. I, I called it. And one of those things was just, man, after I met with Robert, man, it was just like, okay, I think they're going to turn a corner. And when they do, man, it's going to be some trouble. Because you're talking about a coach that players want to play for, a young, talented, very talented. And I think the biggest shock this year, to be honest, man, is the defensive line, what mm. they're doing. That defensive line is a monster. This team kind of reminds me of that 09-08 Jets team. Mm-hmm. They had a young Mark Sanchez. The defense was outstanding. And they were able to run the ball. They had running backs. Can't wait, uh, as Bart Scott always said. He's crazy. You hate to see what happened to Brees. I mean, he was having Mm. a year. I'm talking about being in the topic of the best running backs in the league right now as a rookie. We have to finish strong. I think at this time last year, we weren't even in the playoff talk. So to even be mentioned in the playoff talk in December is very exciting for Jet fans. As Robert Sala said, it's all about December. And if they're in the talks of making the playoffs, that's a sign for where the Jets are growing. And I think it wasn't this year where the Jets were going to take off. I think it's next year where these players, Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, Elijah Veritaka, they all play together and they get ready with hopefully Zach Wilson. It doesn't seem like it's Zach now. It's Mike White. I know a lot of Jet fans are shooting him down and I feel so bad for the kid because he just couldn't. It's New York, man. That's New York. You know how it is. You do too. You had Mark Sanchez. You had all these other quarterbacks and the Jets have been trying to find that franchise quarterback and they just haven't found one and hopefully this transition maybe Mike White is isn't 100% healthy, and maybe Zach will step on the field this week, take over the reins, and actually become the quarterback that everybody believed the Jets thought they were drafting two years ago as the second pick. Talking about all the personalities of the quarterbacks oh, that he God. was with. Mark Sanchez, Tim Tebow, Geno Smith, and Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> all in one career. He has some guys, man. Mm. Tim Tebow. Oh, my God. You know what they call Tua? They call him Hawaiian Tebow. He's having a great year. Yes, though, he man. is. Yes, he is. He's the last two games he hasn't, but if you have Tyreek Hill at the end of the game attacking you, that's a problem. You don't want Tyreek Hill to open his mouth. Oh, yeah. The 2010 Beef O'Grady Bowl, your last mm-hmm. year in college, you remember that well. 75 yards and a touchdown in that bowl game. Yeah, man. I was actually going for the season seeing rushing record that year. And Southern Miss did a great job of containing me that first half, man. I didn't get those yards until later in the game. They jumped up 14-0. I think Jamie Collins was over there. Mm-hmm. So I played him. Jamie Collins was a dog. I'm like, who is this guy? I didn't even hear about him all year. And this guy's making every tackle on the field from every which way. They did a great job over there. We ended up coming back, ended up winning that game. And that was actually like the first and only bowl game that I went to my entire college career. That was when Charlie Strong took over. And when he came in, the program went to a different direction, man. He actually built that program up next few years. We are talking to former Jets running back Bilal Powell, one of my favorites. I have one of your jerseys. I was actually going to wear your jersey on the show, but then it would look like I'm too much of a Jet fan and you do a show in New York. I was always a big fan of yours. I always stuck up for you. I know a lot of fans week in and week out, they were like, ah, he's not the right guy. That's the problem here in New York. There's nobody ever fully happy. It doesn't matter who you are. You could be Curtis Martin and he's one of the greatest running backs to ever play. If he has a bad week, which he usually never did, the Jet fans, oh, he's getting old. He's not the same court as Martin. It sucks when you deal with the press over here. It sucks when you have to deal with some Jet fans, but me as a Jet fan, I've always been a supporter of you. I was really upset when you had to retire because of the back injury and the situation that you were in, but you had a fantastic career. You really did, and I know everybody's going to say, well, look at his numbers. He's not one of the greatest. It doesn't matter. When I watched you play, you played hard, you played discipline, and you went out there and you gave it your all, and that's all you asked for when it comes to a football player. He's not a guy that's going to slack, and I can name 
team a bunch of great, talented NFL players that all the talent in the world, and they were slackers, and they never amounted to anything in the NFL. And you, I remember when you were drafted. I remember when you finally got your opportunity to step on the field and play. I always loved you as a player. You always showed what it is to be a Jet. Everybody says, what is it? And they make jokes about the Jets. What it is to be a Jet is be a loser. But I didn't see it that way. Rex Ryan brought that personality. And when you came to the team and when LaDainian Tomlinson came from San Diego, it was a different team. It was a different roster. And I really appreciate the way you played the game. Man, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you for having me on here. Let's put it together this Sunday. I mean, the Lions, they got a good old line, man. And with Q out, that's going to be a little challenge. But hopefully we can win this, run the table, and let's get into the playoffs, yeah. man. It's been too long. Let's get into the playoffs. Yeah. How about this? Play Jermaine Johnson. How about that? How many snaps has he been out there? If you look at the estimated snaps, this guy was a first-round draft pick. The Jets moved up to get him. I want to see him out there. I want to see him play more than third downs every other yeah. third down. Go out there, let him play first and second downs, and see what you have with this kid. He has the speed yeah. on the outside. You're going to have to add speed. I like what they did with Curry. Curry, healthy this year. He has played very well when he needed to play. And Quinn Williams is a beast. There's no question he is. Yeah, he's having a great season. Oh. He keeps playing like this. He's going to get a big Oh, check. boy, are the Jets going to be open. By the way, his brother, Quincy Williams, another fantastic find by Joe yeah, Douglas man. from the Jaguars. He is one of the more underrated linebackers in football. People don't yeah. realize how good he really is. He's mm. good. And that's the thing, man, about the team, man. I want to say our team like I'm mm-hmm. on it. But that's the thing, man, about the team is just like them finding these guys, finding the guys that are going to buy in. That's all you need. You just need guys that are going to buy in. But if you look at New England, New England really never have superstars. Mm-hmm. They just have guys that buy in, buy into the system. And I think that's where we are right now. You got guys that really love football. The distractions off the field. Even though we're a young team, though, that's the shocking thing. We're a young team, but they're locked in. You can just tell that winning matters. That's scary. What was the reaction from your locker room, the players on the team, when Darrell Revis got traded? That's when I knew no one's safe. If they got rid of Revis, let me tell myself I'm renting my locker because anybody can go after you see that one. My two favorite players from 2007 to 2019 was Revis and you. When Speedy actually said that you were looking to come on a show, I said, get him on the show. I definitely want him on the show. And we would love to get you on the show again when the Jets get into the playoffs and talk a little Jets football. I really appreciate your time, as always. I know you're a busy guy in Kentucky. Are you a horse fan over there? You have no choice but to be a horse fan. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually a good investment, man, if you get in with the right group of guys. to a race horse over in Lexington. And the joke is they treat horses better than people over there. <laughs> it's a fun time out here. And thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. My producer over here will reach out to you again. Always respected as an NFL player. And I loved Bilal Powell. How many times I stuck up yes. for Bilal Powell. When All the time. Came, when I first came here it's to this crazy. network, there were a lot of debates <laughs> surrounding you. A lot of guys that were at our networks that weren't Jets fans were attacking, attacking Errol all the time. Attacking me, saying Bilal Powell is one of the more underrated running backs mm-hmm. in the league. And he needs an opportunity. He needs an opportunity. And finally, you got your opportunity. I said, I told you guys, this guy could play. Everybody's like, oh, but he can't stay healthy. I was like, I don't give a crap. This guy could play. When I watched you play, that's what I want my running backs to be. A guy that's going to go out there. No matter how big you are, how small you are, you're going to go out there and you're going to give it your all. And that's what you did. And that's what makes you one of my favorite players and one of my favorite backs that ever played for the Jets. And I've been a Jet fan since I was in diapers. Okay? And I'm 40 years old. So it just tells you the type of player that I thought you were when you were drafted by the Jets. I appreciate it. Thank you for all your time below.
All right, thank you. Bilal Powell, ladies and gentlemen. He's fantastic. Great personality, good person, good-hearted person. You see what he is, and, and you see how he's rooting for the Jets. He wants the Jets to make the playoffs. The last time the Jets made the playoffs was with Bilal as one of the running backs with LaDainian Tomlinson. So I want to see the Jets make the playoffs as well. I think Bilal, who spoke about Robert Sala and meeting Robert Sala and saying that he is a guy that you want to play for, that tells you the type of player and the type of person that Bilal is. Speaking up not only for a coach that he's never played for, but a coach that he comes to respect. Yeah, we always knew Robert Sala was a player's coach. Now taking it from a former player, that's one. Who never even played for him. That's one hell of a seal of approval for Robert Sala and that Jets team culture as a whole, really changing. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, the New York Yankees have a new pitcher, one of the better left-handed pitchers in baseball, as they pay him six years, $162 million, to add to that $360 million contract they gave Aaron Judge, Carlos Rodon, as he comes to New York and is going to help the Yankees destroy the world champions, Houston Astros. When we come back, we will get into that here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Big Easy himself, Errol Marks. My co-host, Speedy PD. Remember to listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Check out the World Wide Sports Radio website. By going to www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week. Our live shows on Apple Podcasts on the top of the page. All you have to do is open it up. And if you haven't tuned in or called the show, you can check out our show, The Sports Loudmouths, Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. on Thursday. And you can check out all the guests and all the great content we put out there. And all the other shows, our betting shows, our Jets show, our Buffalo Bills show, our Wise Guys show. Well, they think they're wise. Yes, we have great shows around the country. So tune in every single week to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And if you're here in New York and you're enjoying the cold and you're enjoying baseball around the corner and winter meetings are done, how could you not be excited to hear what happened on Thursday night as it was announced by John Heyman that the New York Yankees have signed Carlos Rodon. Here's who Carlos Rodon is, ladies and gentlemen. Carlos Rodon has been not one dominant pitcher in one league. He's been a dominant pitcher in the National League and the American League. And the last pitcher to do that in two different leagues in a two-years, three-year span was C.C. Sabathia. And where did C.C. Sabathia go when he became a free agent? He went to the Yankees. And how old was C.C. Sabathia when he went to the New York Yankees? 29 years old. How old is Carlos Rodon? 29 years old. Does anybody see this path the way you expect the Yankees to see it? 2009, his first year, CeCe Sabathia won a World Series in the new Yankee Stadium. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen this year, but Aaron Judge will be the new captain. He will be announced as the new captain of this team before the season starts. And they wanted to make a huge splash in the offseason. And maybe they need to add another bat in left field. They probably do. But they needed another player to show the fans that they're ready 
to win. They're ready to knock off the powerhouse in the Houston Astros, who, by the way, added Jose Abreu. Carlos Rodon, the last two years, 2.37 ERA in 2021, and 2022, 2.88 ERA. And probably could have won the Cy Young in 2021, too, if he didn't get hurt towards the end of the year. Was definitely a finalist at that time. 237 strikeouts this year, 185 last year. Those are great numbers to have in Yankee Stadium, especially. And he's been durable the last couple of years as well. He had a lot of injury issues earlier in his career, and I know a lot of Yankee fans are skeptical with that. Most of it was early in his career. He finished, I think, third in strikeouts this year. Third. Who's finished in first? Garrett Cole. So the Yankees have two powerhouse pitchers, righty and lefty, as they're one and two. Nestor Cortez, Luis Savarino, and Frankie Montas. This is the best pitching staff in baseball. There's not even an argument right now. Not the Houston Astros, not the Braves, the Cardinals, or even the Dodgers have a pitching staff as good as this starting rotation. What does that say? Nothing. They have to stay healthy. They need to do one on the field. That's something that the Yankees need to do. And they have to beat the Houston Astros. And they have to find a way to score on that team. But this is a start. They needed to make a splash this offseason to really put them over the top and compare to the Houston Astros. And they did it. Now they got to do it on the field. But Carlos Rodon, he's a powerhouse pitcher, has an unbelievable slider, throws a 92-mile-per-hour slider in the dirt. It's very hard to read because of the way he throws the ball up top and bringing it down. It's very hard to see the ball out of his hands, and that's what makes him dominant. And he's a lefty. And in Yankee Stadium, you need to have a powerhouse lefty. Now the Yankees have two of them. They have Nestor Cortez and Carlos Rodon. Now they have righty, lefty, righty, lefty. And that is absolutely an advantage for the New York Yankees. Absolutely an advantage. And all power, too. Like Garrett Cole, you're talking about, throws hard, gets a ton of strikeouts every year. Rodon throws hard, gets a lot of strikeouts in his last couple years as well. Frankie Montez, when he is on the top of his game, is a 200-strikeout guy, too. This is what you need in an ALE that's filled a lot of band boxes. And Carlos Rodon, if you want to talk about the contract too, was an absolute bargain. I was thinking he was going to get something between 32 and 35 million. I was thinking 32 is probably going to be his average market value. They got him for 27 a year. That is absolutely insane. No trade clause, but I think it was a great deal for the Yankees. Fantastic. Yankee fans are just worried about his health. I don't think that's going to be a problem. I don't think the Yankees are going to out-throw him. He's not going to go out there every five days. I've seen Aaron Boone sit him out. His time to start and play him another week or a couple of days later. So they're not going to push Carlos Rodon. He's still fairly young. He still has a very good arm. He's never had Tommy John surgery. He's got the arm strength. And everybody keeps saying, what about the bullpen? They've added three arms to the bullpen now. They just added Warren. They've added pieces. Now, the Yankees have good young pitchers coming up from the farm system. They have Seve coming back this year. King will be back this year. This was the best bullpen in baseball in the first half of the season before the injuries starting to pour down. This might be the best overall team in the MLB. And the high-priced bullpen is what hurt them down the road. I think the Yankees are better off trying to keep it young there and go after the starters that all the Yankee fans have definitely been craving for over the years. And if you're not going to give Brian Cashman praise for Carlos Rodon, then you're just a hater at this point. That's a bargain. Bargain, and you're talking about the best pitching staff in baseball now. There's no argument right now. And anybody that tell me that from 1 to 5, you don't think the Yankees have the best starting rotation in baseball, then you don't know baseball. They have three pitchers, actually four, with Luis Savarino, that could pitch over 200 strikeouts. 
Luis has done it. He did it when he was a Cy Young candidate. Nestor Cortez, that was the first time he pitched as much as he did last year. This is a powerhouse strikeout pitching staff. That's what you need in the AL East. You need strikeout pitchers. You need guys that they are going to make you swing. And that's what the Yankees are. They're all power. And that's what the lineup is. But here's why I think the Yankees don't really need to go out and search for too many bats. There is no more shifting. Those infield shifts where you see the third baseman on the first baseline, that you will never see again. It's over. What does that do for players like Anthony Rizzo? A lot. Giancarlo Stanton, who's a pull ball hitter? A lot. Even Aaron Judge, who likes to hit the ball all over the field. This benefits the Yankees. It benefits the league. It'll be more offense in the league. So the Yankees don't really have to go after a big-time hitter, a guy that can hit for average, because I think their averages are definitely going to go up. How much? I don't know. That's going to be more of a trade deadline thing, I think, because they're going to try to see, one, if they're going to trade any more of their other bats. I know you mentioned Glaber Torres a bunch and uh, a couple of the other infielders. And then DJ LeMahieu, if he can stay healthy, can be that type of guy, too. Andrew Benintendi, they thought was going to be that guy. He got hurt. Now he signed with the White Sox, so maybe they'll find it somewhere else. I think that's more of a trade trade deadline thing they'll have to do with because you're right I don't think it's going to matter for the regular season for the postseason that's when I think it'll impact them because the Yankees have had issues with strikeouts then so that's why I think it'll end up being a trade deadline move to get a guy that could be a soft contact hitter like a DJ LeMahieu that they could hit lower in that lineup and sprinkle in within the power hitters then the Mets they sign Kadai Senga who a lot of people like the Mets fans loved five years 75 million dollar contract he will be their third starter and I think it's a good move I don't know what he is he'll have a good good first year. Most of these Japanese pitchers do. That's when you really figure out who he is as a pitcher because his second and third year, hitters start to get to know who he is and what he likes to do and that's where he is going to have to figure out how he's going to pitch to every single team and every single batter that is all world. So I think this is a good sign. I don't know what he is. I never saw him play. I'm going to have the opportunity to see him this year, and I think Mets fans will make their own decision. I love what the Mets did the other day, bringing in a new catcher. Narvaez. Yes, who was an all-star type of catcher, I think one or two years. Yeah, with Seattle. Yes. Is he a power hitter? I wouldn't say a power hitter, but he gives you a little bit more offense, a little bit more pop than McCann does. And Alvarez, I don't think the Mets really believe Alvarez is a starter this year. I think they think Alvarez, they can ease him in as the starter in the next two years. So bringing him, Narvez, in probably tells you that's who's going to start for the Mets this year. They will trade probably McCann. I don't know what they're going to get for James McCann. Probably nothing. Not much. Carlos Carrasco, he wants out. And the reason why he wants out is because he's like a fifth or sixth guy now. They don't trust him. And he can't stay healthy. He's never been healthy. Even when he was on the Indians, the guy couldn't stay healthy. He'll probably get let go or dropped. Somebody will pick him up on waivers or free agency. I think Carrasco would be good in the ball. Bullpen. And I think that's what the Mets should look into. Trying to talk him into being the closer or an eighth inning guy. He's got the stuff. And he could throw hard. That would make a lot of sense. That could rebirth his career. And maybe help prolong his career. This guy can't stay healthy. He's on a pretty hefty contract for a guy that they want to be, him to be more than a fifth starter, so I think that's why they're trying to move it right now. Make I, him a closer. I could I could see him definitely being a reliever. I could eighth work. inning guy, obviously Diaz got a lot of money, but you get him into that eighth inning guy where 
you can then trade him to be a closer somewhere else. Yeah. If they do end up trading him, yeah, you could definitely see another team try to do that too, where they try to transition him into the bullpen as well. Because, yeah, he does have good stuff still, and that could definitely help his durability. As far as Narvaez, as I like the move too. I think he, good offensive catcher, still probably top half of the league when it comes to the position, and that's a good sign. Alvarez, they may be able to use as a DH because of that more and not have him catch as much to wear his body out because he's not great defensively as a catcher either. So they might have him used as a DH with Narvaez and Nito platooning as the catcher. As far as Senga, good numbers in his last five years as a starter in Japan. But again, you're right. It's Japanese baseball. They have bigger parks and for the most part, not as talented of hitters. And smaller balls. And you're right. The first year of a lot of these Japanese guys have been a peak. We saw that with Daisuke Matsuzaka with the Red Sox. We saw that with Kosuke Fukudome, who was a rookie of the year with the Cubs. But they don't have the consistency as much in a larger sample. The good thing is Billy Epler helped scout it. Masahiro Tanaka when he first came to the Yankees and Shohei Otani when he signed with the Angels in 2018. So hopefully that's a good sign that he knows what he's doing with these Japanese players. Spin the wheel, make the deal with sure. these players. You don't know what they are and you can scout them all you want. You just hope you hit. So we'll see what happens. Maybe he's a good pitcher. Maybe he becomes the Mets' second best pitcher. Or maybe their number one guy eventually when the old men decide to retire or leave. Verlander, who's a senior citizen and so is Max Scherzer. The Mets' pitching staff now is senior citizens. You're talking about one of the best young pitching staffs in baseball. Completely gone now. Mm-hmm. Jacob DeGrom, Batty Matt, Batman, Dark Knight, whatever you want to call him. Stephen Matz, who's gone. He decided to go to the Cardinals. And then, yes, the one they call Killer. I love him. Mr. Wheeler. Zach Wheeler over there in Philadelphia really making noise as one of the best pitchers in the National League, which I'm sure the Mets are smacking themselves in the head ever since they let him go. Tremendous. Uh, He's been unbelievable for the Philadelphia Phillies, who's, by the way, a free agent after this year, and he's going to make a lot of money. By the way, also signed former Mets pitcher Taiwan Walker now, too. There you go. (laughs) So why not add more? The Phillies, Dave Dombrowski has been known for overpaying guys in the past, got two bargains this offseason. Walker, $18 was pretty good, and then Mm -hmm. Trey Turner, probably, besides Rodon, the second biggest bargain of any team this offseason. Yeah. The Yankees won. The Mets, you still have to figure out. And I know a lot of Mets fans say, oh, this is going to be a big offseason. Our owner's going to spend some money. He really hasn't. He's lost a couple of pieces, paid Nimmo as well as he should. And by the way, shout out to Pete Alonzo, who actually came out here about two weeks ago to watch the USA-Netherlands team play in the round of 16 in the World Cup. Lake Grove, Miller's Ale House. He showed up with his wife. He was sitting there and really enjoying watching the game before he was going to a wedding out here on Long Island. And then somebody spotted him. My friend Leaf told me at Miller's Ale House, he called me up and he texted me. He said, you wouldn't believe who is here. I said, who? And he said, Pete Alonzo. And he took pictures. And you know what's so awesome about Pete? Even though I'm sure his wife didn't like being bothered, you know, they're sitting there relaxing and just wanting to watch the game and be left alone. Pete got up, took pictures with everybody, signed cups and baseballs and jerseys. And people were coming up that found out he was there. And it really was an autograph session for him. So shout out to Pete Alonso, a guy that I've come to respect, a guy that if you're a Met fan, you should root for. A very likable guy who deserves the money. And he deserves, after getting the arbitration he got last year, and I'm sure he'll get a nice arbitration this year. Next year, he is going to be on his free agent year. So I think the Mets this offseason better open up their pockets and pay their best player. Because if they don't, just like Jacob DeGrom, he will flee somewhere else. When we come back, some NHL hockey as the New York Islanders reach out to the Canucks for their captain, Bo Horvat. What does that say? 
for the New York Islanders. And what does that say for Lou Lamarello? Does he get his guy? Finally, when we come back, we'll get into the Islanders, Rangers, and the NHL here on the Weekend Crunch. One of my favorite songs. Ho. Yeah. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, as you know. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Big Easy, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time. Only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Check out our website by going to www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out our wonderful shows. Go up to Apple Podcasts on the top of our page. Check out our show, The Sports Loudmouths, which airs every single Wednesdays and Thursdays live with the great guests, the great content, the funny comedy and sports. Listen to the show. We have great shows throughout the country live Check it out every single week. The New York Islanders. I know a lot of Islander fans here on 103.9 are watching every single game and wondering, where do the Islanders go? They're not playing very good hockey. They're not putting the puck in the net anymore, and that's a big problem. There was a story coming out in the middle of the week that Lou Lamorello reached out to the Vancouver Canucks as Bo Horvat. And his team, his agent, were sitting down and discussing contracts with Vancouver and decided not to sign an extension. So now Vancouver could be looking to trade their captain. He's a young player, one of the best players in the prime of his career. Center, who can win face-offs. He has 20 goals right now, and he's doing everything right right now. Great defensive player as well. Two-way Star. Now, what do the Islanders need to do to land a player like this? They're going to have to give up some pieces. Now, I don't know who or what Lou Lamorello is looking at. Could be first round draft pick and maybe a Wallstrom or a Dobson or a Pelic or Pulak and somebody else. The contract's got to make sense, too, because they have to re-sign him, obviously, if they bring him in. It's an interesting story. Is it likely to happen this year? Probably not. We hope that it could happen. We wonder if it could happen. The chances of it happening is very small. But Lou has made moves before, and maybe Vancouver will decide that they no longer want to wait for this guy and maybe put him out there. Yeah, it's evident that Vancouver wants to see the beginning of the season because they were also looking to trade JT Miller and Brock Besser last offseason too. And if they still struggled this year, they were going to definitely try to look to go into a rebuild. And Horvat is the best piece they have to move to try to get anything big back. He's 27 years old. He's one of the best face-off guys in the league. He's already won 400 this year. So that's a guy that could win 1,000 face-offs this year. That's crazy. 21 goals already. And he's 27 years old and durable. And those types of players do not come to be available that easily. You see wingers get dealt very easily in the NHL centers like this, not the same case. So the Islanders are definitely going to have to give up a hefty price. I would imagine the price will have to start with either Wallstrom or Dobson. There has also been rumors that the Canucks have been interested in the Islanders' top prospect in Aturati. That could definitely be a guy they don't want to trade as much on the NHL roster. They could definitely look into. And 
and then draft picks as well. But it's going to take a lot. These guys don't come in very easily. Horvat, very durable. He's played all 29 games this year. He played 70 games last year. A guy that the Islanders could definitely use as a type of first, second line center. He's got good speed. They need speed. And he's got great face-off ability and goal-scoring ability. And get a hefty price, would it work for the offense? Absolutely. For the whole team, it depends on what they end up trading away. But he's a great player. I would love the Rangers to get him, but they're going to have to trade quite a price, too. That would have to start with Capo Caco and probably Braden Schneider, maybe even a lot more than that. So, But the Rangers definitely need a face-off guy. I would say they would need it more than the Islanders, but the Islanders look like more likely favorites to get him right now. Well, the Islanders have more pieces. Yes, they do. So I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if Bo is going to be traded. Maybe he gets his contract. Maybe he gets the money that he wants from Vancouver. Right. But right now, the Islanders need offense, and why not go after a better player and a pretty good player at the center position? And I say better because the Islanders are clustered with centers. They have a lot of good centers. They have Brock Nelson. They have Pajot. They have Barzell. They have Sezikis. They have all these different guys. Maybe they bring Bo in and they move Barzell to the wing, which I've been saying for a while. That's what they should do. This is a pipe dream that might never happen. As far as the Islanders are concerned, Sorokin has not played well in the West. He's been giving up a lot of bad goals. They need to pull off wins or even get ties and points. They need points because the better teams are starting to win now. Pittsburgh, Carolina, the Rangers, the New Jersey Devils are starting to lose. They're starting to lose a couple of games, so they might fall off. So it is open. And the way the Boston Bruins are playing and the Toronto Maple Leafs are playing, these teams could pull away. And the Islanders do not want to go into the All-Star break in the next couple of months being in position where they were last year where they're playing catch-up. They do not want to be in that position. Even if the Islanders aren't this regular season powerhouse like we've seen in the past because most of their success has come being as wild card runs. But still, the Islanders are in a tough division right now that also a lot of trends cannot last forever. Yes, the Devils are not going to stay as hot as they were in the beginning of the season forever. We're already seeing some kind of leaks. The Rangers had a great comeback on the Devils when they were down 3-1 to one and they ended up winning in overtime. But Carolina also, they've been stellar defensively but they are down offensively. That's not going to last forever either. And the Rangers too. They're not going to be as bad defensively as they've been for a lot of the season so far. They've been better recently on their hot streak right now. They've won four of their last five games, but those kinds of things might not last forever either, and in a tough metropolitan division, you have to be able to stay consistent. If the Islanders don't find some level of an offensive groove, it's going to be hard to do that. Now, in addition to Horvat, we've also heard them with Patrick Kane rumors, Vladimir Tarasenko in the past too. Maybe they try to make the move early, I don't know, but the Islanders need some kind of spark with this kind of offense. If they have to shuffle lines, maybe they have to call up Roddy if he's ready, I'm not sure, but they got to find something because Barzell seems like he's doing everything out there, and it's a very hard for a guy to be able to just carry a guy. He's passing. Team. He's not scoring and that's a big problem. Their best player, they paid a lot of money in the offseason. He's fantastic. He really is. One of the best skaters in the world. One of the best stick handlers in the world. But they don't have a closer on that line. Anders Lee could stand in front of that. That's great. They need a closer. They need a guy that could put the puck in the net. And they don't have one. And how is this kid going to figure it out, being that he's 25 and he's in the prime of his career and you want to get the best out of him? And he can't do it because they don't have a player that is anywhere close to the talent he is. So it's a big problem for the New York Islanders, and they need to figure it out. Because Lou Lamorello cannot go into the All-Star break saying, oh, well, we're going to get this from this guy, and we're going to get that from that guy. It hasn't happened. It's a problem. It's the same kind of thing I said with the Giants, too, in our second segment. It seems like once 
teams have figured out to make him shoot the puck, Barzal. It just hasn't been as effective of a team offense as a whole. And since he had that stretch of he was finally scoring a little bit of goals, he hasn't gotten as many assists either. I think he only has two in the last five games. And teams are starting to figure that out. And it has not created great success for the whole team offense collectively. The Islanders have been known for depth on their lines, but haven't been able to show it because of that. Yep, and that's why you expect the Islanders to do something. And they might have to do something early because of the lack of offense that they've had and the problems they've had over the last couple of weeks. And their defense hasn't played well either. So this is one of the better elite defenses in the league. And Sorokin, who I think is an elite goaltender, he hasn't played well on the West Coast. It's definitely something that you have to worry about if you're an Island fan. As far as the Rangers are concerned, they're playing good hockey, and they're starting to win. And I know Ranger fans think that it's smooth sailing now. It's not that easy. The Rangers' defense is not good, and I've been saying that for a long, long time. And their goaltending is not as good as it was last year. Even with this winning streak. Shesterkin hasn't played well. It's really been the goal scoring. It's been the talent up front. That's why the Rangers are winning. So we'll see how this team transitions as the season progressively moves on. There's a lot of hockey left. Yep. So anything's possible. The one thing that's been good with the Rangers recently on this hot streak has been the kids have been starting to pick it up now. Lafreniere now has 14 points. Hedl has 15 points. He had a game-winning goal against the Devils. The young defensemen, too, have been the best part of it. Ryan Lindgren, who was battling an injury a lot of the season, he's starting to play really well. Braden Schneider has been great all season long. He's probably been their best collectively best defenseman. You're right. Igor, statistically, we expected some level of a drop-off. But yeah, 2.45 goals against average. 9.17 save percentage. Definitely down for his standards, what his level of goaltender is. And he's had a couple soft ones. Some games that weren't his fault, but still, not a great sign compared to last year. The good thing about the Rangers, too, they've been much better in the third period. They've had trouble closing games at the beginning of the season. They're still having trouble playing at home. Closing games is a sign of a young team for any young team, and the Rangers are definitely doing that on this winning streak. Will they keep it up? We'll see. That's up to the Rangers, really, and that's up to the talent that they have on the ice. So we'll see what happens. I think the Rangers are up for it. I think they'll be in it to win it. The question is, are they going to be in it to win it in the big games? That's the most important thing. And the Rangers, so far, have not been as good as we expected them to be early in the season where everybody thought it was Carolina and the Rangers and everybody else. It's not like that. And Carolina is starting to play good hockey too. So it's going to be fun moving forward with both of these teams. When we come back, Speedy, what do we got? We got the return of the Barclays Circus and Crunch Time! Here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Go to the website, www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out our shows on the top of the page as we have Apple Podcasts. If you miss the shows live every single week, you can listen to our show live on Wednesdays and Thursdays, the Sports Loudmouth. Fantastic show, guys. Great guests. Great content. Funny. It's like Murder, She Wrote, but it's no longer Murder, She Wrote. It's Errol, she wrote. No, I'm just kidding. And also, we're not traveling in 20 different states. No, but it's a great show, guys. And if you like to laugh and you like sports, it's a great show. So tune in. We have a lot of great shows. Our betting show, our Jets show, our Buffalo Bills show. We have great shows. Check it out and tell me what you think. And keep listening to us as always. Let's get into the Barclay Circus because it seems like it just keeps on going and going. You know, Santa keeps on giving gifts. And why not another gift? And James Harden, who's no longer with the Brooklyn Nets, now he's moving towards the Philadelphia. 
Philadelphia and that fan base. James Harden takes shots at KD and the Nets organization, wondering why he was a quitter when KD has been trying to quit on the Nets since he's gone there. I don't know what's going on with that organization. They're winning. They're 17 and 12. They're the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. Great. Kyrie's playing well. KD's playing well. Ben Simmons, before he got hurt, and now he's back. He's playing well. That's great. But this team has no depth. This team has been a circus. It seems like every time somebody speaks, if they're not on the team or they're on the team, it's something negative. There's no positivity whatsoever about this team. It's just a bad aura. I don't know what to say about this team, Speedy. As a matter of fact, I would say that this is better than Ringling Circus. This was the Jets when Rex Ryan was there. But Rex Ryan was trying to make it a circus. They're not even trying to make it a circus. And it's a circus. Oh, yeah, it's a circus because there's a lot of parties that are just uh, looking really bad. James Harden, yeah, you could say that Kevin Durant is a quitter. That doesn't mean that you're not. You requested a trade twice in less than a year. First from the Rockets and then from the Nets the very next year. They're both quitters. And now you have to go to Philadelphia where that fan base is hostile as well. So if you start struggling in the playoffs like you did last year, you might be forcing your way out again. So who's going to be the quitter in that Situation. They're both quitters. Kevin Durant's definitely a quitter, too. Def- definitely taking the shots the way he did at the Nets organization, the Nets ownership, the way he did in the offseason, requesting the trade that never ended up happening. But I still think could happen throughout the season. But again, if the Nets are in a playoff spot, who knows? But either way, that team culture is a mess. They are right about that. I'll give James Harden credit. The Nets front office is definitely not one to definitely aspire to anyway. But still, that doesn't mean you're not more than a quitter. It doesn't mean that Kevin Durant's not a quitter. But you're not the one to be saying that, James Harden. They're I both mean, quitters. Yeah. There's nothing to say any more than that. They're both jokes. They both have complaints. They both want to say things on and off the air. It doesn't really matter what they are. Both of them just need to go and play basketball. I don't want to hear any more about James Harden. I don't want to hear any more about Kevin Durant. Go and play the game of basketball. And whatever happens, happens. Because to me... These guys have been nothing but a joke since they've been in Brooklyn or since he's in Philadelphia. They've been nothing but complain junk artists. And all they do is cry me a river. Kevin Durant, go play basketball. James Harden, go play basketball. And then maybe you guys will meet in the playoffs and then you guys could yap and say whatever you want on a basketball court. I don't want to hear it anymore. It's disgraceful. Both organizations need to find a way to control their two players. That's it. Speedy, we ready? Yep. It is time for some crunch time. It's time for Crunch Time. Normally we start Crunch Time with some football. Now we're going to start with some football. The World Cup Final on Sunday. Buy or sell. Both superstars. Messi and Mbappe will both score. Absolutely buy it. Both guys are hot. Both guys are scoring. Every single game, Messi is a part of either one goal or passing or doing everything. France, we all know who their best player is. We all know what they're all about. This is the World Cup champion four years ago. They're a high-flying team, and they have one of the best young stars right now in the world. I think they both will. I'm going to sell this one. I think Messi's due for a little bit of pressure here. We've seen them get a lot of penalty kicks already, but I think he's due to miss one. France has a much better defense than a lot of the teams they face. I definitely think Mbappe will. He's the golden boot candidate all World Cup. Mbappe! But a lot of the Argentina young players have played better than Messi at certain times during this World Cup. I don't think Argentina's going to get to the penalty kick line for Messi to score. I do think he will crumble this time, and I am going to sell that one. By the way, I have Argentina winning. You have Argentina winning. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Buy or sell. Tonight's game. All three of Stefan Diggs, Jalen Waddell, and Tyreek. 
Tyreek Hill have five-plus catches for 80-plus yards? I am going to sell it. It's going to be too cold for Waddle. Diggs, it's going to be too cold. I don't think it's going to be a high-flying game. It's going to be windy. It's going to be cold. It's going to be a running game. It's going to be Josh Allen's game to make the plays, and I think Dill was going to be horrible. He's not going to be able to get the ball in the position, so I'm going to sell it. Yeah, I'm going to sell that one, too. Waddle's had a big slump recently. The last three games has not played well. Not really targeted a lot on those deeper routes either. So even if he gets the short catches, I don't know if he'll get to 80 yards. Diggs and Hill, I think, definitely will. Tredavious White come back and play a little better for the Bills, but still not great. So I don't think Waddle will. I'm going to sell that one. All right, buy or sell. Dansby Swanson will go back to the Atlanta Braves. I'm going to sell it. I do not believe the Braves want him. I don't think they're going to pay him. I think it's more likely his wife plays professional sports. She plays in Chicago. Some people think that's where he's heading, but I think the Red Sox are going to sweep right in and bring him in. So, no, I do not believe he goes back to the Braves. I'm going to sell it. I'm going to buy it. I think it's only a matter of the years for the Braves. I don't think they want to give him the eight-year deal. I think what it is is the average annual value they'll be able to make work because they've been able to get controllable contracts. I think Dansby Swanson will get a front-loaded contract that'll be more over time, but I do think he does want to stay with the Braves. He has a lot of friends over there. Yeah, maybe he could go to the Dodgers with Freddie Freeman. That would be maybe the other scenario, but I don't see that kind of thing happening. I think the Cubs and the Red Sox are just smoke screens to get more money. I think the Braves will get him back. I am going to buy that. All right, buy or sell. Both Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields have 100-plus yards rushing. I'm going to buy it. I think both guys are running quarterbacks that can make the throws, too. Obviously, Jalen Hurts can. We don't know what Justin Fields could do, but he'll definitely run over 100. The Eagles can't stop the run. They've had problems stopping the run. But Jalen Hurts, he's just a man-child. It doesn't matter what defense he plays against. He finds a way to run, and he finds his way to the hole. So I'm going to buy it. Yeah, I'm going to buy that one, too. I think Justin Fields against a base defense for the Eagles. I think it's a good matchup. The Eagles play a lot of man-to-man, which has caused him to struggle against certain running quarterbacks the last couple of years. So Fields, who runs a lot attempts-wise as it is, will definitely get the volume. And Jalen Hurts against a really bad Bears defense. I definitely expect him to get 100 yards rushing in this game. So I am definitely going to buy that. All right, buy or sell. Alex Ovechkin will break Gordy Howe's record within the next four games. Needs two goals to do it. I'm going to buy it. <laughs> Alex Ovechkin deserves all the credit, the accolades. He's unbelievable. He's moving towards another season that he can have 50 goals. It's unbelievable how old he is and what he is doing at his age. He is the best goal scorer we've seen really since Mario Lemieux, Yarmir Yager. I mean, it's unbelievable. And he's better than both of them. I'm going to buy it. Yeah, I'm going to buy it too. I think the Capitals are definitely going to push for that kind of thing to get it done quickly. Then they can focus on the team again. They got the milestone. I think it's a good time to try to be able to get it on the power play. He might even get it in the same game. He scored a hat trick to get to 800. So why not get to both in the same game to break Gordy Howe's record? I am definitely going to buy that. All right, back to the World Cup final. Both France and Argentina will score two or more goals in the game. I'm going to buy it. I think both teams, Argentina is going to score goals. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. Could go to penalty kicks. Both teams are very good offensive teams. They have two of the best offensive players in the world, so I'm going to buy it. Yeah, I'm going to buy it, too. Both teams have scored in volume, especially France in the second half of their games. Argentina, in a lot of games this year, have scored three or four goals, so I definitely think this is a game to bet on the over. Penalty kicks will benefit Argentina. That'll help your thinking of them winning. I have it as a 3-2 to two France win. I think they come through in the second half, but I definitely think this is a high-scoring game. I just trust France's defense a little more in their youth to be able to win the game, but I do think it'll be over two goals for both. France wins it 3-2. to two. I will buy that. All right, buy or sell. The Red Sox will not be able to extend Rafael Devers. I'm going to sell that. They're going to give him over $300 million. He's their future. He's the guy they're building their team around. That's why Bogarts right now is playing for San Diego. They're opening up salary room to give to their superstar player. He's going to make close to $400 million. He's one of the best third basements in the league, and he's definitely one of the younger talented 
talented players in the league, defensively and offensively. I am selling that. Yeah, I'm going to sell. What else would they be spending for at this point? The Red Sox are not a cheap ownership group. Yeah, Heim Bloom's a raised-based GM, but still, they have to be saving this money for something. It has to be something like this for Devers. I absolutely will sell that. All right, buy or sell. Both Derrick Henry and Austin Eckler have 125-plus scrimmage yards. I buy it. I think both running backs are going to be high-flying. Both teams can run the ball. Both defenses the last couple of weeks have not looked good in the front seven. And Joey Bosa will be back this week, so I think he's going to add a little bit more pressure at the line of scrimmage, but Joey Bosa is not a run-stopping defensive end, so I think they both be able to run. I think they're both going to put up numbers. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to sell this one because I just don't know if Eckler's going to get the rushing yards. The Titans have been the third-best run defense in the NFL this yeah, year. Yeah, I'm going to look good the last two weeks. The Eagles have a prolific running quarterback, too, and I think that helps. Justin Herbert's not really a mobility threat. I think Eckler gets a lot of receiving yards, for sure, and a lot of catches, but I don't know if he'll get the rushing yards. Derrick Henry, I think, will. I think he'll get about 125 rushing yards, but I don't think Eckler does, so I will sell it. All right, one more. Zach Wilson will start more than just this week. He will have another start for the Jets this season. I buy it. I do. I buy it. You have to buy it. If they win, they're going to start him on Thursday night. You can't just put Mike White in. If he finds a way to win this game, even if he throws 150 yards and he completes most of his passes and he doesn't put up 300 yards, if he wins, that's his sixth win of the year. He's 6-2. and two. How could you not start him? The only team that he hasn't beaten this year was New England. So I'm going to buy it. He is going to start more than another game. Now, if he loses this week, he doesn't start anymore. I think Mike White plays on Thursday if Mike White can play, and that's the last time you see Zach Wilson for the rest of the year. Maybe for the rest of his Jet career. So, I buy that you will see him again. Yeah, I'm going to buy it too because I do think the Jets are going to win. I think Detroit is too hot right now. I think they're due to steam out eventually. That defense is still not great in the secondary. I do think Zach Wilson, I don't know if he'll be able to spread the ball around like he should, but he'll get some big plays to make it work. Garrett Wilson's been a beast lately and I think they'll be able to finally get them involved. It'll last the whole season. We'll see. We'll see how he plays in primetime, but I definitely do think he'll play well enough in this game to start against Jacksonville. Beyond that, tough to tell against Seattle and Miami at the end of the season, but I do think he'll get at least the Jacksonville start, so I will buy it as well. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is our show. I'd like to thank Bilal Powell for joining us. He's fantastic. Thank you, Bilal. I know you're a very busy guy in Kentucky right now and maybe buying a horse. Yep. Throw us a bone over there. It's all about horse racing over there, but happy that Bilal had a chance to join us. One of my favorites over the 15-year span as a New York Jet fan. So thank you to him. Thank you to all the fans. Moneyline Mania will be back next week. I want to wish everybody a very happy holiday. You believe in Hanukkah, you believe in Christmas, or Kwan, so happy holidays to all of you guys. We will be back next week as Christmas is right around the corner and the year's almost over. It's crazy. 2022 is almost over, Speedy. We've been together for now going on five years. Yep. It's crazy. It just keeps adding and adding. I'd like to thank you. Thankful to have a co-host, producer, and a friend like you. You've been not only a hardworking, dedicated person, but you're one of the best people I've ever worked with. And I give you a lot of credit. You're a hard worker and you deserve all the accolades. And anybody that doesn't know this kid and what he does and the hard work he puts in the dedicated work he's put in and since the day he came to me and came to work with me it's unbelievable it's an unbelievable story and you deserve a lot of credit appreciate it thank you to the fans thank you to all of you guys that listen to us and by the way enjoy the islander game hopefully they surprise the world and knock off vegas they have not looked good on this west coast traveled five games i don't know what the heck is going on with this team they cannot stop anybody right now and their defense has been horrible so I'm looking forward to seeing if they can show up and actually beat Vegas we'll see that's it for a show we'll be back next week good night